The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, hello, my friends. Thanks for joining us again today on another day in what we call the Source of Truth podcast. We call it that uh, because we are studying the Source of Truth. That is the Word of God in a day where truth is relative, and many believe there is no set truth. We study the set truth, the author of life, the uh, Word of God. The Bible tells us in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so we are studying God's love letter to us. We're studying His inspired, preserved Word that teaches us, and we're going to look at another passage as we finish what many call the Olivet Discourse. We're in Matthew chapter uh, 25, and we're going to finish up 25 today with another section on some of Jesus' teaching and prophecy. The disciples had asked him what the end would be, and we've taken several episodes and walked through different things that would consider the end time. This one is a little trickier. I've been studying it because uh, there's a lot of different opinions as to when this is taking place. Um, so we're going to walk through. I want to say this will be a little more technical today, but it is a little more expo- um, take time to explain because I think it's important for us to understand what's taking place in this passage because one of the things that becomes a bit of a level of confusion over the events of the end days. And I've mentioned this before. There's a lot of opinions on prophecy, on interpretation, whether it's literal, whether it's figurative, what's coming next. We've mentioned the fact, the difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ is Jesus placing his feet on the earth. Um, when is the great white throne judgment? When's the millennial? All those different things. And, and there's different opinions on all of it. I hold to what many would call the traditional view, that the next thing coming is the rapture, then there is the seven-year tribulation after that, and then there is the millennial reign. Satan's allowed to come out one more time at the end of the millennium, which I'll explain why in a second. And then at the end, he's totally defeated, and they move on into the new heaven and new earth, into eternity. Um, So... I'm going to use this to kind of explain uh, some of that process and some of the things going on there. We've already talked about that the passage in Thessalonians says, we as a church, the dead in Christ are wise first and we'll meet the Lord in the air. Um, that's different because we meet him in the air with the angels. We do not meet him on the earth. It's different. And that's the key you have to understand. A lot of people want to say everything's figurative. Well, if you just make everything figurative, then you can make it whatever you want. I think we've got to be careful. Well, there are certain things that are clearly figurative. Uh, if we make everything figurative, and then it's easy if you want to make it fit your interpretation. So to me, I think we need to take the Bible literally, and please understand, interpret it correctly. Old Testament, a lot of its history, a lot, of, and most of it was to the Israeli people, not to us. So there's a lot of interpretation that comes into it. Uh, there's some commands in the Old Testament, I don't, you know, about how we treat people today. It's not what we're asked to do. So um, I think we need to understand there's a lot that comes with this. But I want us to say that in this area, as much as we can take in the area of literal, what we see, what we can, until obviously we can't, and we'll walk through that today. So um, let's look here in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 31. The Bible says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. In uh, verse 33, he will set his sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And the king will say to those in the right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you uh, from the foundation of the world. 
For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. So let me give you a couple introductory thoughts as before we dive into this and further into the passage. So the first question that comes to my mind when I read this passage this is obviously at the, at the end of the tribulation, Jesus has come back. He's placed his feet on the earth. Uh, we've already talked about what's known as the Battle of Armageddon. He comes back with what I believe is the church. They will come back, but we're coming back as an army. But frankly, Jesus is going to defeat his enemy with his words. Uh, the Bible talks about the mass amount of blood and things of that nature. It's a gruesome scene. But this is after that. Satan is defeated. The enemy is defeated. And now Jesus is dealing with all of those who are still alive at the end of the tribulation period. Remember, um, what I believe, the... Um, Christians up to this point, well, either the Old Testament saints and others had died, but everybody had been raptured. And so whoever was left behind were unsaved. So the question comes, who was saved during the tribulation and who was not? I tend to believe there's going to be a large sum of people saved in the tribulation period. I can't prove that outside of my opinion, um, but I tend to believe that. But either way, so he's going to send the angels out and they're all going to assemble everybody together to sit before Jesus. Now, the big question I've been asked a lot is, well, is this the same as the great white throne judgment? I'm just going to read something that I found that I think helps us to understand why I don't believe this is the great white throne judgment. Um, many people want to make it a generic thing saying it's a generic judgment. The Bible, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. Let's say this. This judgment takes place on earth immediately after the battle of Armageddon. The white, uh, the great white throne judgment takes place in space somewhere. Why would it say that? Revelation 20, 11 says the earth and the heaven fled away, not the same place. Uh, the judgment here in Matthew 25 takes place before the kingdom is established on earth. For the saved are told to inherit what is coming. The uh, great white throne judgment will take place after the thousand-year reign of Christ, according to Revelation 20, verse 7. So there are some just basics to say why this is not. The great white throne judgment is different. So what we're dealing with is just those who are alive. It's a very small portion of who was alive when the tribulation started, but a very... Um, especially before the rapture took place, but who's left and who accepted. So he breaks them up, the sheep on the right hand, uh, goats on the left. Now, again, I will say that's not something to ignore. The right hand of God has always been a place of honor. The Bible says Jesus now sits in the right hand of God. This is normal in, in, in kingdom uh, history that whoever was a prominent sat in the right hand of the king. So the, the, the Christians, the sheep, that was always pictured, those his followers, his disciples, believers, were on the right hand of God, the goat were on the left. Please understand, up to this point, those who were not followers were the superior, according to the world economy of the day. Those who were not were, were chased after, were persecuted, were, were killed, were um, hated. So this is a massive change in just a very short period of time that these other people came, they were going to throw off these evil religious people, these evil Jews and Christians, and just move on with this utopia and now everything's changed, and there is the real king sitting in front of them. So then he references, you have done these things. You've, and he gives a list of things that these people have done for him. Um, and then uh, here's what happens. Then the question's asked in verse 37. The righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Now, 
The question is, who does he reference? You did it to these of my brethren. These would be the Jewish people. How those who live in the tribulation, how did you help the Jewish people? Which again, much like we've seen throughout Jewish history, uh, we're under even greater persecution. The beginning of the tribulation, there's going to be a peace treaty that was supposed to last seven years. Halfway through, the Antichrist throws it off. Um, desecrates the temple and makes an, another concerted effort to eliminate the Jewish people. Why? Because they're God's chosen people and Satan's been trying for years to throw off God's chosen people. He's used all kinds of horrible people and world governments to try. It's still happening today. It is all still what Satan's trying to do. This is just one more effort, the tribulation period, his final effort to do it. And he goes, if you've loved and taken care of my chosen people, I want to thank you. Then he continues to say, verse 41, Then he will say to all those on his left hand, Depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire. Everlasting fire is hell, prepared for the devil and his angels. A reminder, it wasn't created for everyone else, but sin has made it where everybody else should go there. Verse 42, He said, I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will answer him and ask, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And he will answer them saying, assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And he's referencing this group. He's saying, you did not do it to the Jewish people, my chosen people, therefore, you didn't do it to me. And that is the picture. It's a reminder of who God's people are today, the picture that much of the prophecies... Please understand, there's a lot of people who believe that the prophecy, the promises to Israel, the covenants and all of those, since it didn't happen when Jesus came the first time as a baby and, and then he died on the cross, they want it doesn't fit their theology, so they twist it and they say, well, here's what's happening. It goes to the church. I don't believe that's true. Those prophecies are still... We are not taking Israel's place as God's chosen people. We are the church. It's a separate, unique section of time in the New Testament. Um, the Jewish people will come back into the scene, and God will fulfill all of his promises to them. The church is a separate scenario in all of that. And here's a couple of just thoughts. We see, we see God's promises. We see God's faithfulness. We see that God wins in the end. Remember, building up to this, this was a list of people coming to destroy anybody who would believe and follow Jesus, and now they're kneeling. It's interesting. We're told the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I don't know if this is the exact passage this happens at, but it will happen uh, at one point that every, and I kind of lean towards the end of it, but it will all happen. The point is this. Jesus sit on the throne and everybody will acknowledge that he is the true king. But if they haven't accepted him as their savior before that, the only answer is eternity in hell. You can't wait then and just, okay, I'll do it then. It's a decision you make while you're still alive. It's the only time to make it. And I challenge you to consider that truth. Well, thanks for joining us. I know it went a bit longer today. I wanted to make sure that I didn't rush too much, but walk through and explain what this passage means and hope it gives a better understanding. We do appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Hope it's an encouragement. Stick with us as we continue and we jump into Matthew 26 and we begin to work our way towards the um, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.